go. Good morning. This is Dr. Matthew Dodd. Good evening for my guest, Simon Severino of Strategy Sprints, talking to me from Austria, I believe you just said. Yes. Hello, Matthew. Hello, everybody. Well, welcome and uh, nice to nice to finally connect with you, um, especially from such a beautiful city. Um, always useful as a top line. Tell people a bit about Strategy Sprints and yourself. You've got quite an interesting background. Yes, Strategy Sprints, we are a team that does only one thing, help teams with go-to-market, so with everything around sales and marketing. Okay. And we're doing this since 21 years, from the big brands to the solopreneurs. We have one-to-one coaching for everybody in, mm-hmm. in many time zones. Meanwhile, I started this myself as being somebody who loves helping people with stuff that really matters. Mm-hmm. That was what really mattered for them. The vital topics were cash and time. And, and th- these are go-to-market topics. So I focused on that. Every day I showed up to be present for these topics, for, to hold that space and to move stuff forward. And I've learned a ton. I've saved those things. They became, you know, the tools, the templates for the next clients. Yeah. And now fast forward 21 years later, we have a Sprint University with 274 of those tools. Wow. So our clients get some, you know, some, some quick, some quick plug and play helpful tools ready. Yeah. You don't have to reinvent the Ayurveda cuisine. It would take you 5,000 years, right? You, you just get the blueprint. These are the five principles. That's what you do half an yeah. hour later. Yeah. Have a dish. Yeah, have a That's dish. the principle. <laughs> <laughs> so, good, good metaphor. I, I, I meant to say in your intro, because I noted that, noted this and I wanted to talk to you about it. You're, uh, you're also an, an author. Strategy Sprints is also a book title now, right? Yes. Yeah, so, in, in the last five years, I fired myself from operations. So I couldn't coach uh, everybody anymore in all time yes. zones. So I fired myself from operations. Now I only run the company, which is just, you know, curating the company, onboarding people, etc. And now everybody said, now, Simon, you have so much time now. What do you do with all this time? Yeah. Go out there, write a book about this. Yeah. Give it to the people because not everybody can afford a one-to-one coaching. Sure. But a book everybody can afford. The world needs it right now. And yeah. I went, you are right. I hate writing books, but let's do it. Let's Wait. team up. Uh, yeah. I have something to say and I have something to share. Yeah. Just bring me people who can actually write a book and, and create a great book. So I need a team. Yeah. I need an illustrator. I need somebody who, you know, spell checks and uh, makes it a readable thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but yes, if we find a team, let's do it. Let's share it with the world. Two years later, here's the book. <laughs> Three years later, here's the book. When did the book come out? It came out in February okay. of these years in, in most countries. Okay. Okay. Wow. Um, and you said team. So a book, the book, the, the book was, you, you did it the way you recommend companies do things. Like you formed the right team to make the book happen. I think we have to be honest. What is our superpower yeah. and everything else? We have to source, right? To team up. Yeah. So my superpower is only one thing. I'm a practitioner. 21 years of doing stuff, solving sales problems, solving marketing problems with teams in, in a room with a flip chart, you know? Mm-hmm. That's, that's my, my thing. Mm-hmm. That's what I did 21 years. So my only strength into a book is 
I have something to say. I have something to share. My blueprints, my checklists, my the stories of our clients. Mm-hmm. So the clients and I, we were bringing the content. Also, clients wrote the foreword and and case studies in between. That was very collaborative. And then, of course, I teamed up with a graphic designer to make it something that is nice to look at. With a copywriter that really helped a ton. She said, uh, Simon. Every chapter needs to end like a Netflix episode where you're hooked and you want to move to the next. And I said, oh my God, how do I do it? I don't know how to do that. Right, right. That will be my support, Simon. So I refine each beginning and each end. Yeah. And I said, oh, wow, yeah, that sounds professional. And then I had a, a publisher, Kogan Page in London, who knows how to do books and how to do title and how to do the cover. Mm-hmm. These are all details that really matter. Mm-hmm. And, and they have, of course, they have also the, the distribution channels, you know, from yeah. Barnes and Nobles to Amazon, et cetera. Yeah. And the airports and all those details that also matter. And so they did that part. That's why it was a team effort. Wow. And, and a team effort for what amounts to, you know, new business coming out of the old business, if I'm, I'm hearing it correctly, the, you know, learning experience, the, the toolkit, if you will, you built over 21 years, but the idea of in- encapsulating it between two covers was a new effort. Yes, absolutely. First first time that I did it. Hopefully yeah. also the last time, because it was oh, gonna years of really hard work. Would you do it again? Never. <laughs> I am asked to do a new one because it went well and we had fun and we were helping so many people. And so, hey, so let's do a second one. So, yeah, maybe next year. Maybe next year. Ah, it, yeah. It, well, and and from what you said about your superpower, I I could see that. Congrats for doing it, but I, I I'm guessing it took a real discipline to slog through the process. Yeah. Yes, initially that was the hard part, but after a couple of weeks, when you get into that routine, yeah. So I had a simple simple tactics that we might share. Uh, because it's also part of how you run a business, how you structure your day. So when there is something which is really hard, but it's important, yeah. what you can do is just start in the middle. I have a post-it, which is on my door. It's still on there. It's, it's just a post-it, start in the middle. So don't think about, you know, the, the whole chapter or yeah. the, the great case or the great sentence. Just start in the middle. So I did put in the calendar every Monday morning, I had four hours of uninterrupted work for six months. That was the writing period, mm-hmm. phase one. And, and that was sacred. It was in my calendar. Nobody could book it. Mm-hmm. And so I would listen to some nice music, sit down and start writing. That's it. That's it. And after those four hours, whatever was there, was there. And then... I would start editing. So don't edit while you create. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the post-it. Just start in the middle. Don't think in editing mode. Think just in, you know, free association mode. Just just get it out. Yeah, just get it out. Were, Never you, were you, was this keyboard, uh, out loud, pencil? What's the actual physical process? Yeah, I was typing in a Google Doc. Typing okay. on my MacBook in a Google Doc Google. and just get it out, get yeah. it out, get yeah. it out, get it out. After those six months, then we started editing mm-hmm. with the editor and that was stage two, editing. Mm-hmm. And 
And then, of course, you need multiple writing and rewriting. So the editing stage is really the, the, the bulk of the work. Yeah. So just get it out. That's the first stage. Don't criticize yourself. Just get it out. I, uh, I am, I've got a, I, I do some guest blog posting uh, in the email space and uh, agreed to do a post for uh, a friend and, and colleague. Um, it's like, oh, crap, I got to do this. And sure enough, kind of to your point, uh, what I thought I started to write the post about, wait, right turn. Uh, no, it went somewhere completely different by the by the time I was somewhere near the target word. Caleb, I'm like, oh, I guess that's what I was going to write about after all, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. And also, I reused everything. Yes. So yeah. those four hours, uh, after that, I could pick apart and make it yeah. the weekly YouTube video. Yeah. Yeah. That weekly YouTube video, my team transcribed, it became also the weekly blog post. Mm-hmm. Every month, the best blog post would become also a LinkedIn newsletter, etc. Yep. So, of yep. course, you can yep. reuse that content multiple times um, so that, you know, it's, it's, it's an efficient use um, of, of your four hours. Yeah. I'm, I'm, in, I'm intrigued by the process uh, side of it on a number of levels, but the fact that you blocked the time in the calendar. Four hours is quite a chunk of time in, in, in this uh, fractured, you know, interrupt-driven uh, workspace that we tend to live in. Um, was, that, was that the first time that you'd had that much dedicated blocked-off time, or had you done that for other projects or, or needs in the past? No, it's funny. Um, we have we have three habits in the strategy sprints method: the daily habit, weekly habit, the monthly habit. And the daily habit is write down how you spend your time, and then in the evening review and learn how you will spend it more wisely tomorrow. And then you write the flow of the day. So for twenty one years, I've all every day been writing down how I structure my day and slightly learn something about myself yeah. to improve the next day. Yeah. What I have learned in those 21 years is my own energy curve, if you want. Yeah. And I think this is important for everybody. Find your energy curve. Mm-hmm. Mine is very clear now that I'm 42. Uh, in the morning, I am an introvert. I just sit down, heads down work. Mm-hmm. Nobody called me. Nobody talked to me. Mm-hmm. In the afternoon... People can book meetings with me, my colleagues, uh, you know, legal contracts, interviews, whatever these outside world stuff are, meetings, heads up work. That's for me the second part of the day. And with this simple trilogy, actually, because before, before, the, me, the, before the, the deep work in the morning, I have me time two and a half hours of time just for me. I do whatever I want before my kids wake up. I have three kids. So before they wake up, it's me time. Then I serve them. Then it's deep work. And then it's heads up and meetings. That's a good flow for me. Mm-hmm. So it's important that you find your flow by just you know writing down and reviewing every day, five minutes, mm-hmm. just what was good about that? What will you delegate next? Um, and just by doing that, daily habit. And we have templates for that, by the way, that help you with some structure. And people can download them for free at strategiesprints.com. Just by doing that every day, you uncover 
your own rhythm, what's good for you. Yeah. That's quite important. And, 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 and adjusting that, tweaking that, sharpening that saw, if you will, uh, helps over time. Sounds like. Totally. Gotcha. And because many people go, am I an introvert? Am I an extrovert? I did find out I'm both in the morning. I'm an introvert yeah. in the afternoon. I'm an extrovert. <laughs> uh, not, not dissimilar. And I tend to have mornings quite blocked off for the same reason. It's like, now nah, I'll get a ton. I know I will get a ton of really hard concentration stuff accomplished and it's better to just block it and, and pretend that, you know, pretend to the world that I'm busy since, uh, electronic scheduling is quite invasive. Yeah. 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 I, I do want to, I do want to talk about email a little bit. <laughs> Nominally that's the topic, but, uh, you know, it's a lens onto business as a whole. Email can really screw with your concentration, right? Do you read email during that blocked off, blocked off focus time in your morning? 12 to 12.30, I read emails. 16 to 16.30, I read emails. Okay. And I just, I don't just read them. I read them and I, you know, I complete the action, whenever the action is in yeah. there. I respond and delete, res respond and archive, or uh, it becomes a task. Then I move it to my task folder mm -hmm. and it becomes a task. Okay. Okay. So nice. That's, uh, that's, that's very disciplined of you. As opposed to the constant bing, stop, go look at that, and then half an hour if later. You do that. Yeah. If you let the world do that. Yeah. You lose all your freedom. And I'm a freedom guy. So to, I only care about two things. Uh, and, this is, and this is freedom and love. These are the two things that I care about. Mm -hmm. And... If you let other people set your priorities, you are lost. You are a slave of the world and the world has very easy access to you. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to really install a flow that is good for you and you have to inoculate against those distractions. One chapter in the book is called Traction versus Distraction. Nice. And... And it, it shares two things that I do. It's the ideal week, how you draft your ideal week so that you continuously move towards that. And then one year later, two years later, you actually live your dream life mm -hmm. because you have an idea of what it is and gradually you move towards that. Mm -hmm. So that's the ideal week tool in the book. And the concept, which I learned from Nir Eyal, is you don't know what distraction is before you have defined traction. For you, what is traction for you? So for example, my goal was to fire myself from operations. So to move from being the business operator to being just the business owner who enjoys the business, not mm -hmm. grows the business anymore. I enjoy watching it grow. Mm -hmm. And so it took me, of course, three years Good. from the moment I decided it to the final step. Mm -hmm. And in those three years, I had an extra Google calendar. It was called the ideal week. And I had my ideal week mapped out. In the morning, I write a book mm -hmm. and I run for two hours in nature. In the afternoon, I drink tea, play with my kids and have some meetings around hiring. Mm -hmm. In the evening, I cook Italian, I cook Indian food. 
that was my ideal week and I was far away from that. But gradually, week by week, I moved forward towards that. And so that's how you can accomplish something that you really dream of mm -hmm. in a long-term time frame. That was three years. Mm -hmm. um, if it's a long-term and if it's a very clear and every day you move slightly 0.1% towards it, um, that's the way to achieve it. Nice. Nice. Had, has it been a struggle at all to not get sucked back in? Of course, every day, every moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right now, I am yeah. tempted to check to check my stocks prices and my Bitcoin prices. Yeah. yeah. Right now. Right. So yeah. in every moment, there are temptations. Yeah. Like my kids come in and say, "Bye, bye, bye, bye. Yeah. I want to play dinosaur with you." And I go, "Yeah, I want to do, but I have a meeting." Yeah. So there are temptations uh, in every moment, and it you know it's that's part of the freedom. I decide in every moment how to cope with that. Since my values are freedom and love, mm -hmm. part of love is caring. Mm -hmm. When I am in a conversation with somebody, that's a sacred space. I care about that. Nothing else happens in that. There will be nothing coming in. Right. Interesting. Interesting. This is, this is a bit lateral, but it's springing off of something that, something that you just described. Um, it's struck me that one of the changes we might see out of the pandemic period that we're, you know, em emerging from right now. And I had a, I had a chance and I think you had a chance to, to do some of this early on. My kids saw me working for a lot of years of their life because the home, home office and, and running, you know, running businesses from the space that they were part of was, was part of their growing up experience. And I was delighted to have them interrupt me, but they also knew there were times not to, you know, uh, you know, dad's in a meeting or he's on a call or you know, he's got the big red light on and says, I'm right in the middle of something. I'll talk to you at three or something like that. And I think that was, that was probably good modeling for them. I don't know. We'll find out, but I think it might've been. What do you think? I, I'm so curious what we will think in 10 years. Yeah. About this. Yeah. Because my wife and I were talking about it. And I think the amount of time that I have spent with my kids during the pandemic years. Yeah. Is, I think, more hours than I have spent as a kid with my parents. Yeah. Combined the first 20 years, I think. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because we were always here. I had lunch with them. I had dinner with them. Yeah. Yeah. I brought them to school. So... And, and if you think in generations, that's such a shift. Yeah, that's a big change. So I'm curious how we will remind in 10 years, how we will talk about this and the psychologists will tell us what it did for our kids. <laughs> but I, I have actually enjoyed it a yeah. lot. Yeah. Yes. What, what, uh, what age brackets for your, your kids? Six, four, and zero. So I had the full, the full uh, yeah. spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's, uh, that's awesome in terms, just in terms of when the pandemic happened at the ages you just mentioned that, uh, you know, that at that age, they don't know from work and schedule. They just know dad's here or dad's not. And dad got to be here. Exactly. Oh, hold on. Sorry exactly. about the lighting. I've got the, I've got the sunrise. I'm waiting on new blinds. <laughs> it's just killing our lighting here. Um, yeah. Interesting. 
Interesting. And it sounds like your calendar, what you already said, your calendar recognizes how important that time is. Totally. Yeah. And the calendar is probably the most important tool for me. Interesting. Uh, this, the calendar and, and spreadsheets. So these are the two things I couldn't live without. Yeah. And the calendar is important because what's in the calendar is sacred. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, one of my teachers is, is David Allen, who said there is a hard landscape. That's your calendar. And then there is your freedom in between. And um, you have next actions and hopefully you have a good system of finding them when you need them. Mm-hmm. But actually you move in the space between your hard landscape. So try to have... Um, some wiggle room in there so mm-hmm. you can move freely if you're a freedom person. Mm-hmm. And um, I am a freedom person, so I want to move freely. But some things, they literally have a time, like an interview on a podcast. Yeah. It has a time. It's on yeah. the calendar. Yeah. And so, and I have to tell my team, those are the slots. It's the afternoon from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. That's when I'm available for... Right. Uh, podcast interviews, Product for interviews. And, so, and that's the work of finding out your energy curve and then yeah. communicating it yeah. to your team, to whoever is access to your calendar and saying, this is the time that I do this. And to be very clear, because if you are clear, now they can manage it accordingly. And, and now you will have a, a day that is conducive to what you want to create. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that opens up an interesting discussion in terms of leading and managing, because let's see if I can, let's see if I can encapsulate this well enough for us to discuss it. As companies and organizations are, are starting to restructure work post pandemic. Okay. Where, you know, is he or she at home or in the office? Are they going to encounter other people or not? Like we've, we've really changed the We've really changed the mechanisms by which we get to bump up against each other. Um, we'll have to be more deliberate as leaders and managers about trying to make that as effective as possible. And when you've got a team, when you've got, you know, eight, 10, 12 people, and each of them has their own energy curve and their own habits and rhythms, what makes them effective? And you're trying to figure out how to mix them as best you can maximizing their individual output, but also maximizing their, their group output for whatever the purpose of the business is. That's a very complicated puzzle. People started to talk about quiet quitting. Mm-hmm. And now all the major media outlets are talking about yeah. quiet quitting. Quiet quit. People <laughs> never, never will come back. <laughs> it's not something new. Um, people have always tolerated too much work that sucks. And now it's over. They don't have the patience anymore. (laughs) Now they say, all right, it's time for me to not do work that sucks. And now what do we do? What do we mean by that? What do people need from from a a team, from their work. They need autonomy, mastery, and belonging. These are the three fundamental needs that we all have when we decide to join a team and work together. Autonomy means that I have at least some control about how I spend my life's energy. Mm -hmm. And so if you completely 
tell me what to do, you take away that control. So yep. it's not wise to tell people where to work. Stop doing that. It's their thing. Mastery. Mastery. If you know creative teams, they want to have a sense of concrete progress that they're creating something and that people are seeing it. And if you give creative people an admin task, they burn out. But if you give them a big creative task, you see them fly. And then belonging. Belonging is a sense of real connection and community. Now, how many of those tech corporations that we know or insert your favorite organization in here, how many of those are a place of belonging, true belonging? Yeah. Like where you meet people soul to soul, heart to heart. You know their dreams. Yeah. You want to see them thrive. You're curious about them. You ask, hey, how are your kids doing? Yeah. Yeah. Now, those places, people will not leave those places. But people are starting living more and more yeah. in places where there's no belonging, no mastery, and no autonomy. And I welcome that. It's better for the world. Yeah. It's good. Hmm. Huh. I like that formulation a lot. What, what do you say to companies about how to tackle parts of their business that uh that are you know that are gritty that are hard that it seems like no one would want to do we can go we can circle back to the three habits because that's exactly uh why they are so important daily habit weekly habit monthly habit so if right now twitter apple etc we had an event today with 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 those companies and they were discussing what can we do to have people back in the office? <laughs> and I said, it's pretty simple. And I t we, we talked about these three things. And, and one point was those habits. So the daily habit is everybody writes down how they spend their time and decides how they will spend it tomorrow. And part of that is where it's conducive to do that task. Mm -hmm. Might be in a coffee house, might be at home, might be at the beach might be in the office. Let them pick it. Everybody is a leader. Everybody knows best where or which kind of task the best place will be on that day. For example, in the morning, for me, it's great to work in a place where it's, it's kind of a cave. It's isolated. Yeah. But in the afternoon, I could work from a coffee house. Yeah. I could work from the beach. I could work from an office because... Mm -hmm. It's extrovert work, mm -hmm. but in the morning I need something very uh, isolated yeah. and calm. Yeah. So let people decide based on the task that they're going to do and let them pick their tasks when they do what kind of work. That's the, <laughs> that's the first part. And it's yeah. the daily habit. Uh, they write down, they allocate time according to their best judgment yep. and the next day, they delegate more, they automate more, they outsource more. Yep. This is how you scale companies. And if you are Twitter, Google, etc., you need scaling. So you better have people who optimize their daily flow because they will delegate more. They, they, they can now hire. If you don't have that, you have a bunch of puppets and you cannot scale. You need a team of leaders where everybody is a leader and everybody creates something, writes it down, hands it over, hires, delegates moves on to the next higher task. This is how you scale a business. 
independently, if you are a five people yeah. marketing agency yeah. or you are a 70,000 people tech company, it's the same structure. Everybody is a leader. Everybody creates something, solves problems, writes it down, hands it over, hires, moves on to the next bigger task to solve. Hmm. That's the thing. Drucker's, uh, Peter Drucker, Austrian as well? Yes, from Vienna. From Vienna as well. Okay. <laughs> it's like you're, you're, you're intersecting with some of the things that I've read of, of Drucker's um, over the years and his observation that did a, we hit a point where the boss doesn't know what the worker doesn't know the the job as well as the worker does, and the, you know the, the 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 notion that I'm supposed to understand his or her function and specialization better than they do just got it got blown up, right? Just got completely blown up. So you're saying that for the for the whatever the specialty is, taking taking self management and ownership of not only the job, but how you're going to do the job best is on you. And that's how, that's how a larger organization is actually going to function well. Yes. Everybody from your assistant to the CEO, mm -hmm. uh, think of Elon Musk has the same, the same problems to solve that my, my marketing assistant has to solve. It's yeah. the same thing. Yeah. yeah. They need to immerse themselves into one big problem. Mm -hmm. So, and then when they have solved it, so for example, when Elon Musk went for the first time into building cars, he had no idea, yeah. no idea. Yeah. The real car builders were somewhere else. Yeah. And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to immerse myself in this six months. I do 24 seven, just this, I will learn it. And so he immersed himself into that. He actually learned it. Then he, he wrote it down, he handed it over and now he has a production he did the same thing with artificial intelligence. Now he has an AI team. Yeah. That AI team is totally autonomous. He didn't buy Twitter, but he, if he was to buy Twitter, he would just parachute his AI team into that and say, solve the scam problem. <laughs> it, it takes them three weeks. They come back. Yeah. Twitter, Twitter problem solved. They have to solve the same thing now for SpaceX. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's how you operate. And the same thing. In my team of eight people, everybody of us does. We tackle a big problem, we immerse in it. When we've solved it, we write it down, we hand it over. The yeah. next person manages that. Yeah. We move on to the next big problem. Yeah, yeah. I, I, had, to, daily I, I had to laugh when you mentioned Twitter because Twitter, from, from my take, Twitter is out at, at the extreme edge of which you stop interrupting me. Like I just cannot spend time at all on Twitter. Because it's just this nonstop blather and there's no such thing as getting it done. And you'll never get Twitter done, right? Because the whole planet's going. Never. <laughs> never. Yeah, just put it off. How does and that then, Go ahead. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. So I, I never spend one second on Twitter. I wrote what I write on Monday will get published uh, by yeah. systems on it, Twitter, but I it, never read. And yeah, <laughs> good for you. <laughs> and then there is the weekly habit. Now, so the first part of how you get teams to not quit and mm -hmm. people to actually come to your office, the first part is this autonomy part. Mm -hmm. You let them create the flow. You let them be leaders of their field. Then the second part, weekly habit, they need quick and, and, and frequent feedback loops to what they do. So for example, somebody's doing your the CRM for you. And they put in 20 hours and then they don't know on Friday 
if it had some effect or not, they will quit. But if every Friday you have a sprint dashboard meeting, which has the one marketing number, the one sales number, and the one ops number, and the whole team comes together, looks at those three numbers, and everybody is excited to see the numbers going up slightly or not going up slightly, going up slightly, yeah. And then now you have a feedback loop and whatever they do, they know that it's meaningful, that it's contributing to something and that it's actually working or not working. This is such an important feedback loop and 99% of the people working right now don't have that loop. If you miss that loop, this would be like, you play Angry Birds, you shoot the bird, <laughs> and instead of 500 points, yeah. it tells you, oh, you will hear in your report, which is May 27th, you yeah. will hear the 42 KPIs indicating your progress. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. That's very different. Yeah, it's very different. And what one of the bits of wisdom in what you just said is, is simplifying it down to to one this, one this, one this, either you get no feedback or you get so much that nothing's meaningful and that amounts to the same thing, right? It's like, if I can't understand the con picking dashboard and I don't know whether or not things are better or worse, then I'm, there, there's, no, there's no input to my motivation at all. Exactly. And you need that motivation to stay up the intrinsic motivation of your people and they will only have it if they see stuff happen. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. Their own impact, their contribution. And then the last thing, the monthly habit is to check, are we moving in the right direction at the right pace, strategic analysis, options, what else can we do, some brainstorm, and then deciding the next angle of attack for the next month. Now you have a quest. And if if you watch people, sometimes they are very lethargic. Uh, during the day in the office, they're like, and then in the evening they go home and they're excited. Oh, now I can play World of Warcraft. And then they drink Red Bulls to stay awake. That's how excited they are. And they communicate in real time. They're super fast. They're the captain of their team. And you go, why is there such an energy difference from in the morning to now? It's quite late and they have so much energy. That's because they have immediate feedback loops, real-time communication, and they have one clear quest. Uh, we will save that city from the robot or whatever. There is a one clear quest and everybody's contributing to that. Again, the weekly habit and the monthly habit and how they, they sound so simple, but there is a ton of behavior psychology behind it yeah. that, that answers the question, what do teams need to be in a state of flow. Right. Right. And and that doesn't have to be live. Maybe we're wired for that to be live with our tribe uh, at some point far in the past, but now um, we're sort of, we're getting better and we're okay with those, uh, those connection points, those feedback loops. Being digital, it's about connection. Yeah. Yes, you have the smell element, which is missing. That's that's really missing. You cannot. Yeah, you don't have the perfume of the other person. Yeah. But, but everything else is actually there. Yeah. And I think connection is even more important than 
um, than being in a room together, in a physical room. Yeah. Because you can be connected. Like we are connected right now. And somebody right now is in Japan yeah. and is in, I don't know, is, is commuting. And we are connected right now, soul to soul, heart to heart, um, without being in one physical room. And we don't even know it. Uh, and that, you know, for me, in one day, I can connect to hundreds of people in 12 cities. Yeah. I love that. If you ask me to go back to the times where I'm just one day, one keynote in Paris, yeah. I would say that's boring. Why? <laughs> I would like to be an hour in Paris, an hour in Singapore, yeah. and an hour yeah. in Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. It's much yeah. more fun. Yeah. 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 No, I, I totally get it. And and the complete waste of time that was business travel. <laughs> Total waste of time. I I don't. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> Yeah, I can read some Kindle stuff, but actually, I was never very productive. In no, no, yeah, this is this is decades ago. But I remember one one week decades ago where I went from Seattle to Washington D.C. twice in the same week. I'm thinking that was that was dumb. <laughs> that was just mostly a waste of of, waste of transporting of time, transporting yeah. my body across the country twice. <laughs> Blah. <laughs> yes. This um. How is, I, I'm trying to figure out how to hook this in. Um, the conversation that we're getting to have now, and the fact that I can see your face is, is, is very important. So if someone's listening to it, go watch the video. You'll get even more out of it. Um, I was chatting with someone about how we're reinventing work. And we talked about video conferencing. And I said, you know, the unstructured conversations that I get to have for this podcast are are much more effective than the sort of agenda-driven scheduled conversations where Fred and I are supposed to talk about the latest KPMs for the CR. Like those are a bore because we're, we think we're supposed to get through these things and these, uh, these encounter conversations in the podcast are almost always just like they make my day because I have no idea where it's going to go or, or how I'm going to get to know somebody. And I said, if you're trying to get a lot of stuff done, make room for unstructured encounter on video conferencing and you'll be surprised at how good it is yes yeah the freedom part again the freedom part the freedom the part yeah the moment yeah i love it absolutely uh, sometimes my wife and i we say now we go out and then the kids go where do you go and we go i don't know yeah, yeah. you don't know where you're going <laughs> yeah we don't know we just enjoy yeah. Going out for a walk and see yeah. what happens. And if yeah. the weather is this way, we will land more in that part of the yeah. city. If the weather is that way, if we hear a concert, we might just stay there. Yeah. So sometimes we purposefully have a, a space for experience without defining it. And then we say, we're going to walk and see what happens. Well, you, and you are. Those are the best evenings. You are cheating a little bit because from what I've read, Vienna is possibly one of the greatest walking cities in the world. And it's, it's a good of, place to walk. Yeah. It's, it's a great place. That's why we live here. Yeah. Yes. There you go. <laughs> great mix of nature and yeah. culture. Yeah. But also you could be booked every evening. I could hear Mozart. Uh, I could see some ballet. You know, there's a ton of. Yeah possibilities yeah. here. Yeah. You can have live jazz music and you can be booked out, yeah. completely booked out and say, oh, it's Friday evening, it's jazz music. Or you just walk out and say, well, maybe it's Mozart, maybe it's jazz, maybe it's punk rock. We don't know. Let's see what happens. 
Are are live events making a roar and comeback there? Yes. Vienna is the city of music and of dancing. Yes, it is. And yes, it is. Nothing will stop us. Yeah. Yeah. How 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 hard was it for the people in those um disciplines, the artists in those disciplines, uh during the height of the lockdown period, the pandemic period? Many of those struggled to stay yeah. in the game. Yeah. And we had some very important conversations as a society in yeah. terms of what do we actually find important? What do we value? Yeah. What do we actually value? Because yeah. we yeah. bail out the banks. Yeah. We bail out a ton of yeah. industries that do not really contribute to vital. Mm -hmm things for life yeah and then there are some other parts like for example musicians performers yes. writers yes um violinists yes opera singers yes and um kindergarten teachers yes uh nurses so that was a very important tough conversation where society got to discuss something that was time to discuss mm. And uh, we are still in the midst of the conversation because obviously we are valuing by economic terms yeah. the wrong things very high and the yeah. very important things uh, very low. Yeah. And, and that was part of the triggering of the conversations that hundreds, hundreds of musicians in Vienna were out of work and nobody was actually thinking about them. They were yeah. thinking about industries that really have a much lower contribution to life quality. Yeah. Yeah. If any. If any. Yeah, if any. Um and you're <laughs> you're much better at that than we. You you uh Austria, we America in this case where state support for the arts is so close to non-existent that it just makes me want to scream. Um and that that fundamental what's important, what do we value question uh really got thrown in 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 up on the screen and we didn't do that well at it in the last couple of years and i and i i've got a dog in this fight my uh my older son's a musician for a living so watching what that's like you know not 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 easy and it uh and it should be better um i'm i'm delighted to hear what you're saying about the about the the comeback and about live events having a thing there there's certainly a hunger here in the states um, for, for getting back to those high quality freedom centric live encounters for the concert, the nightclub, the, the jazz scene, the, even, even the classical music scene. Um, it, you know, it, you know, what's funny yeah. on the other side, I have found out that I have never liked kissing people and I have never liked shaking hands and I didn't even know. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know because, you know, here when in, in Europe, when you meet somebody that you know, yeah. it's kiss, kiss, handshake. Yeah. You always have some form of body contact and yes. you have dozens, hundreds of those in a day. Yeah. And from, I was deprived of that. And after a month, I was like, that's actually pretty cool. I, I have less, you know, I have less like this. Uh, normal little viruses and 
and stuff that you take in from other people, energy yep. of them that you take into yourself. Yes. There are cultures like the Asian culture where you don't shake hands. Yes. Because you don't want to take all the karma, all the life energy, all of their bags um, into your world. So you just politely from the far say, mm. I greet you. I greet you and the divine being that you are, but stay there. I, um, <laughs> I built a bunch of uh, uh, friendships and relationships uh, during the pandemic in, in this uh, industry that I'm working in right now, email space, which I like a lot. And had the opportunity to go to a conference in June where I had this surreal meeting people that I knew know well for the first time. Like, Jenna, so great to see. We'd never met live before. And there was this funny moment of, wait a minute, like, I consider us friends. Am I going to give her a hug or not? And, yeah, it was, and I waited for her because I'm like, okay, we'll see what she does. Like, I like, and, you know, a huge hug from both of us, which was great. But it was very strange. And I had multiple of those, like, people I know well that I'd never physically been in the same space with. It was, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a. And then you realized that they're much taller or much smaller than you thought. Yeah, they're all midgets. They're all really short. That's what I think. They're <laughs> <laughs> like, Holy crap, you're tall. I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but th that that cultural difference you pointed out, like uh, uh, cultures in Asia, a lot of cultures in Asia where that distance and, and masks were no big deal, right? They'd been doing that yeah. before COVID showed up on the scenes. And like, what what took you guys so long? Yeah, uh, it, it's interesting. And and we're we're at the very beginning of figuring out what, what means we need to sub in now that we're doing more of this through screens and, and less of this live. You know, what's funny. I, I, I felt so lonely during the pandemic cause I wasn't flying. So from one day of the other, we had half a million dollar from <laughs> the books canceled because it yeah. was all e events driven, yeah. like the strategy yeah. retreat, yeah. that company, etc. Yeah. So gone, gone. And then. And then I was like, hmm, where do I meet people now? Yeah. Because uh, in the afternoon, I'm a people-centric person. I'm an extrovert. And I was missing that. So I did more of my own podcast in the hope that somebody would listen to it on the other side, in the hope that there is somebody, because you just see your camera in that moment. Right? Yeah. And so that was not super fulfilling. Yeah. Because you have to wait until the comments come from the other side, until you feel that there is anybody. Yeah. So that wasn't the solution. I started a mastermind. I told my 10 favorite clients, hey, do you want to hang out after the sprint? Because the sprint, when we coach, is 90 days, we double your revenue. So that's a very intense thing. But then it's over. And then and I said, my favorite 10, hey, do you want to hang out? And we discuss casework, projects, pipeline that you have and deals you want to close. Everything that you have on your heart, I'm actually curious and I would love to hang out. What about we do a mastermind, 24-7 Slack group, every 14 days, we do casework together, whatever is on our hearts, we give each other feedback, landing pages, emails, whatever you are writing, I will give you work critique, let's do this for each other. I called it a mastermind, I called it the joint venture club, I had 10 people. 
it was the best thing ever. The best thing. Because it's on my phone. It's a Slack group. So I create a landing page. I tag them. Hey, Tom, you are great at copywriting. Can you give me feedback? Greg, you understand this industry so well. It's a VC thing. You are a venture capitalist. Can you, can, can you give me work critique from their perspective? Mm -hmm. Lisa, you are a designer. Can you tell me if the buttons are right? Mm -hmm. uh, do I have enough contrast? Are, are the colors irritating or are they fine? All these things were so easily possible and that created a real community. Now we are 47 and, and it's a real thing. Now it's a real community. It's the best community that I have. It's one of the best parts of my day. Nice. Nice. And that wouldn't be possible because some of them are in Los Angeles. Some are in London, some are in Lisbon, some are in Singapore. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Huh. And it's grown organically, it sounds like. Organically, just from the real longing for connection and yeah. real, real camaraderie of being on this journey of being yeah. an entrepreneur yeah. and not wanting to do this alone because it's much more fun together. I'm actually really delighted to hear that because... Uh, candidly, as, as in the last decade or so, as entrepreneur has become kind of a thing, I call it the, you know, it's like when, when I was a teenager, people wanted to be a rock star and teenagers yeah. today think they want to be an entrepreneur and they don't, they don't realize how much work it is. Just like you didn't realize how hard it was to become a rock star <laughs> back in the day. But the, the hypey side of it. The let's crush this and everyone's, everyone's going to, uh, everyone's going to be an overnight gazillionaire. I just find an unappetizing pain in the ass. Um, but that impulse to help, like, you know, Lisa, the designer saying, you know what, that'd be a little better if you bump the contrast. Like we do have that impulse and that generosity, I think to, to yes. help each other. We love to see the other guy succeed and I buy that as a basis for camaraderie a lot. I'm not surprised. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. And I am so big, you know, most of my clients, when they come, I have to, <laughs> I have to hook them off from advertisements. They pay for ads. And there are multiple reasons. One of them is it's not reliable. It's not yours. They yeah. can change it yeah. anytime. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, it's a ton of it costs. Yeah. So. Over the sprint, month one, I help them reduce those costs and I want them to get to have zero marketing costs as soon as possible by creating organic growth engines like the referral engine, the joint venture engine, affiliate partnerships, embedded offers, all very organic stuff that very natural, very human. Like, hey, Matthew, I like what you are doing. My thing is adjacent, but it's for the same people. What about we offer it together? Mm -hmm. um, these kind of things mm -hmm. that are all around trust and, and really caring. Nice. And so I always want them to start joint ventures and sometimes they don't know what it is. So I have a templates for that, your joint, your joint venture, one pager, how you set it up, how you do the first month, how you scale it. And, uh, and, and now I have a mastermind of 47 big hitters, trailblazers in the B2B space from Los Angeles to... Singapore. So now I can say to my current clients, I can say, Hey, tap into my network. Use yeah. my 47 affiliate partners. Come yeah. in. Yeah. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. If they fit, 
I will say, okay, if you are in the B2B space and if you are offering something which is complementary to what they are offering, jump yeah. in. Yeah. Nice. Nice. And everyone wins out of that. Yes. It's a win-win-win. And, and, and this is something that probably people listening can think about if you, if, if, let's, if you have 20 clients hmm. over the last 20 years that you like and they are in the same space, why not connecting them to each other? Because if they are in the same industry or same role or they have the same problem, they might benefit from the view of their peers. Right. Um, again, something that the Asian culture understood very early, Buddha said there are the three uh, refuges. He says, Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. Uh, Buddha, Dharma, Sangha is Buddha is um, the scholar, uh, the student that has ever has all the knowledge, but um, has Buddha nature. So he has everything that he needs, but he doesn't know. He forgot. He thinks he has to learn something. He thinks there is something missing. That's the student. Okay. That's why they're hungry. So there is Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. And the student alone cannot um, move forward, needs Dharma. That's the teaching, um, the tool, the vehicle, the knowledge, the book, whatever it is that the student needs right now. The teacher, maybe. Yeah. And then, and then there is uh, 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 Sangha, which is the community of peers. If you have these three things together, the most important is Buddha. But if you have those three things together, student, teacher, community, that's a great triangle um, that holds the space for growth in every stage. In, you know, when you, when you are low energy, low confidence, that will give you support. When you are overshooting it, uh, they will give you work critique and say, ah, this landing page sucks. I don't even know what you are selling me. <laughs> and you need it. And yes. you need it. Yes. Who is this for? What it's for? Yeah. And then you have to go and do your homework. Yeah. And this is exactly what you need when you're building stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Interesting. It, and um, what you're describing is much more about uh, mutual give and take and not just someone selling a secret formula. Yeah, I don't believe in secret formulas. Even, even if there are secret formulas, yeah. the probability that it's working for you right now, where you are right yeah. now, is so yeah. low. That yeah, it's so low. Yeah. I believe in the exploration and I believe in processes, in proven processes. Like Ayurveda is a proven process, how you can cook stuff that it's actually good for you. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> it's a proven process. Five things. Yeah. Everything that you cook has something sweet, something sour, something bitter, etc. You do that, you have a, a better meal. So that's a proven process. And those processes are there. We know it for emails, for LinkedIn, for uh, sales, for marketing, for operations, for hiring, for firing, for all of this. There are some people that are doing this in hundreds of years. You said Peter Drucker. Yeah. And the, we stand on the shoulders of those people. Yeah. And we are their scholars and scholars of their scholars. And we still have the knowledge. So if we come together, everybody has some different knowledge and they remember different parts of, of the wisdom traditions, management, but also life and relationship traditions. If we come together and share that, that's magic happening right there. Magic indeed. Well, Simon, I suspect we could go on for hours, but 
I suspect your energy probably needs to go to your <laughs> other parts of your life since, uh, since I've tied you up for almost an hour here. But what a delightful conversation. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for holding this space and making this possible. And if people have more questions, they can, they can dig deeper. There is the book, Strategies Prince, where they can go deeper into those things. There are yep. actual open source tools that I share on strategiesprince.com. Yep. And I have a YouTube channel where I share every week my mistakes of that week and okay. my learnings of that week. Yeah. Including yeah. that I am now a beginner investor. So I'm learning life in public, how to invest. Yeah. Wow. Uh, <laughs> it's on YouTube and the channel is called Simon Severino. Simon Severino and strategiesprints.com is the site for the company, right? Yeah. Terrific. Well, Simon, uh, I'm going to hit end on the record, but thank you so much for, for connecting and conversing with me. Thank you, Matthew. Keep rolling, everybody.